Well, welcome. We're, um, it's good to have you here, and we're um, going to just see how things go. Um, we, let's, let's just have a quick, well, I can make some announcements first before we get too far into the service. Uh, just want to remind you that there's a number of ways of giving to our church, and uh, Lord knows we need it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, God's been really uh, faithful to, uh, to take care of our needs here. But there's online giving, there's uh, uh, online giving. Did I say on giving? <laughs> you can put it right there in the plate. You will take checks, money. What's that? Through? Okay, you can... Uh, you can put just put a sack of groceries on the preacher's front porch if you want to do that too. No, but anything. Uh, appreciate your your love and support for the ministries here. Um, this is going to be a good day. We have a, a, a we've been rehearsing and we want to bless you with uh, music. One of the things that that some of us that are in the leadership have been praying about is just just that we have better and better worship. That we want you to as a part of being. <clears throat> here in the Sunday mornings that we don't just sing these songs just to entertain ourselves or to just affirm things, which they do, but but we want you to connect, if you will, uh, in your hearts there, to connect with the Lord and listen to the lyrics of the songs and allow the Holy Spirit to really work in your life through worship. Because worship, the Bible says that, Jesus, that, that God inhabits the, the, the praises of his people. So when we do that, he's he's... He's in it. He's a part of it. It's like happy birthday to you, big time. So God is just, he is so jazzed that we would lift our voices and praise him. And I know he's just, he's just waiting for us to do that this morning. So let's stand as we start. And we, let me start with a word of prayer. Lord, we do covet your, your, your we know you're here, and we, we just covet your uh, personal presence in each of our lives, that as we sing these songs to you, uh, that you will affirm your, your love for us uh, and make it real and make it um, personal for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
up in a small holiness church and used to listen to some of these people singing and I watched these old, usually I was I'd watching some of these older gals and these older women and how they sometimes they'd wave a handkerchief or something like that and I go man there was a Nazarene church I grew up in this little church there was a thing uh, they called sanctification and uh, that's a big word, and most of, a lot of us don't even know what it means anymore. But in the temple, things were sanctified. The utensils, the things that God used for worship were all very, very special and very set aside only for that purpose. And uh, a lot of these older gals used to testify that God had set them aside, and they purified their life, and, and, um, and they were set aside for God's service, kind of like a, almost like the nuns in the Catholic Church, I assume, but... But they're godly, godly uh, people, and and uh, especially, uh, well, but men and women. And uh, and I always I thought, man, I'm never going to be that old. I'm probably older than most of them now. <laughs> but I hope that you know the, the, the desire in my heart is that I would become sanctified, that I'd be set apart, and that I'd be my life would be set. People would go, I'm down here at this church about every night, so I guess I am pretty much set apart. <laughs> We were talking about how much we spend a lot of time in God's work, and, and uh, it's, we love it. We love doing it. There's another really cool song we're going to do right now, um, 10,000 Reasons, filled with theology and great. Let's do it, 10,000 Reasons.
it to be our prayer. Uh, Gary's going to be speaking to us here in a second, in a minute or so, and um, uh, and about God's calling in our lives. You know, and uh, there'll be a lot of really cool scriptures. He's going to be going through some things all the way through the, a lot of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote about God's calling in our lives and how we're, once he calls us, he separates us and he empowers us to do his will. Um, so, Anyway, that's a, it's a really neat song, but I, I, lo I love this song because it, it's, a, it's a prayer, and it's probably the best prayer we could say right now. So let's just sing this song as a prayer to God and to pray our, prepare our hearts for hearing His word.
right, thank you. Be seated. Please take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Take out your notes as we'll follow along with the message. My wife is uh, still in Kansas. She, I think, going to be back uh, maybe this week. We'll see. She's got some things that she would like to accomplish while she's there, so continue to remember her in prayer. Today, we're going to start a six-week series that is linked to our study that we're doing on Wednesday night. We had a great uh, time Wednesday night, and um, just a very sweet spirit. I'm excited what's going to happen through that that time. So um, our Wednesday night service, or Wednesday night uh, meeting, is called, uh, we're studying uh, the question, what on earth am I here for? It's about discovering God's purpose for my life, why I'm here, why I exist, and the meaning to life, which are very important issues. that we perhaps wrestle with. God has a plan for us. He wants to use us. And so we've titled this series, I Am Called by God. And each week during this six-week series, today being the first one, we will, we will continue to grow with that theme, I Am Called by, by God. I'd like for you to say that phrase with me. I want you to say this phrase, I Am Called by God. Would you say that out loud? I am called by God. Now, the question is, do we believe that statement is true for you, about you? I am called by God. And he has my number. He has given me a call. Yes, certainly a call to be born into the family of God. God would have no one perish, that he reaches out and he offers salvation to everyone. But his calling goes further than that and deeper with that. And he just doesn't birth us and leave us alone, but he births us and then he calls us for some purpose in life. And so we're going to talk about that. That's what this is all about, that uh, we believe that God has given each of us a call. I know that, uh, like many of you, I know this to be true by my experience with God, that God called me to himself. I became a believer at a young age. And I've seen the way God has called me in different times and different phases and different seasons. And uh, how he, I remember him touching me and not, not physically, but just moving upon my heart to, to work uh, on a bus ministry to invite little kids and bring them to, to church to, that they could learn about Jesus. I remember as a young man, as I said last week, that uh, about the age of 14 or so, that God called me into the ministry. I, I remember that. That was pressed upon my heart. I remember that event. God has done things like that over and over again in my life, and I know that is true for your life. And maybe, I don't know where you're at with this message, but I don't know where you're at with this point about being called. Maybe you, you, you don't believe this. Well, we're going to encourage you through the next six weeks. Maybe you hear it and say, well, I don't know what that might be. I, I want to know. Well, just hang with us. God wants you to know uh, what, how he wants to use you. He doesn't want us to leave us in the dark in that. And uh, maybe you're wrestling with, well, I don't think God is, could you ever use me? 
You don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know where I've been. You don't know me. But I want to tell you, God has a calling upon your life in each and every one of us. He wants to use us. I am called by God. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Very familiar verse, and it's a verse that we ought to all know, and we ought to memorize it because we would use this over and over again throughout the life, throughout our life. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, read down the ESV. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, usually we have that uh, down. If you've been a, a Christian for a long time, you know that. You maybe have used that verse many times by talking to people about things that have happened in their life and even in your own life. And usually we stop right there. But I want you to go uh, uh, further than this. See, we leave off the second half of the verse and we say, what a great promise. We know that all things, not just the good things in life, but even the bad things, the ugly things, the terrible things, the tragic things of life. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, we don't read it as this. It doesn't say that they're good, those things that happen. There's a lot of bad in life. There's a lot of terrible things that happen to us in our life. Tragedy, sorrow happens in our life, in each of us. And not all things happen to you are good, but God says all things work together for good. All has a good purpose for it. So we get this powerful promise to that, that he can bring good out of even bad for those who love God. So we know that he can do that. But the rest of the verse is this, that God wants us to know, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, who have been called according to his purpose. If you'd like to mark in your Bibles, I would encourage you to, to write or to mark from, uh, and make a line from the word called and purpose because that is linked together. He calls and he calls according to his purpose. We can say with great boldness and confidence, God is called and is calling us according to his purpose. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says this in, in this book that we're, at, we're reading out of. Paul uh, starts off in writing, he says, he's a, Paul is a description of himself, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And so Paul is identifying that he was called, not just called into salvation, yes, into the family of God, but called to, to play a role in the work of God, and he was an apostle. God calls us to have a personal relationship by believing that Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the grave. Three days later, and, and some of us are hearing God's call of salvation even right now that you're, you are, are not sure, but, but you feel like God's uh, speaking to you, and perhaps this is where you're at, that God is calling you into salvation. We listen to that, and perhaps today that you would be willing to receive the forgiveness of your sins through what Christ has done on the cross. And once we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, we join him in his work. We, we, we have that sanctification process, that sanctification that, that he, he's molding us and making us into something like Jesus Christ. And with that becomes a mission, a purpose, that God's plan, God's will for our, for our lives. 
As I said earlier, we're going to cover this calling according to his purpose the next six weeks. Today, I'd like to, to do like an overview of the, of the upcoming weeks. And, and, and I want to bring out seven things that we need to know about the call of God. So if you're following along in the notes there, number one is God's call is both personal and precious. The point is that we need to believe this as a truth. A calling as God is given to each of us. He has you in his contact list. He knows your number, and he's calling, and he's inviting us to join him, join him in his work. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 Paul writes to Timothy, he says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. His purpose and grace that he calls us, not of our works. God's calling is by grace. And grace is this, it's, it's, it's un, unmerited favor, it's undeserved kindness. It's when God gives you what you need and not what you deserve. And certainly if we got all what we deserve, we wouldn't be here. The fact is, God says, I give you what you need, not what you deserve. This is God's grace for us in our life. His kindness, His grace. Grace is the fact that God knows every dumb mistake that we're going to make in our life or have made, and he still chose us to create in us, to use us. He knows all the times we're going to disobey, disobey him. He knows all the things that we will do that are wrong, and he still chooses us. And that's the grace of God that's in action. He chooses to love us right where we're at. It's calling by God is both personal. Is not random? It isn't general, but... It isn't a an, an, an one-size-fits-all. He has a calling that is upon your life that is tailored just for you. How he, he wants to use you and your experiences and your gifts and your personality and who you are. And it's precious. It's a gift that we don't deserve. So God's call is both personal and precious. There's no calling. Your calling is not my calling and my calling is not your calling. That God has a purpose for all that as he brings us together. Number two, I'm called for God's purpose. My friend, we have to get this notion out of our head that this isn't about me. I'm called for God's purpose. It is, it is all about God, what he wants to do. We're not called to live a life of self-centeredness. It isn't about what I think best for my life. It isn't about what I think I need to make myself happy. It isn't about self-preservation. This is about my goals, my dreams, completing my bucket list. Why would God call me to selfishness when I know that selfishness causes so much harm and damage in relationships, in my relationships? When I am self-centered, it impacts negatively those that are around me. Why would God call it? He isn't calling us into that. If my arm thinks it's all about me, it's all about, it, excuse me, if my arm thinks it's all about what my arm wants, then my whole body suffers. If my arm goes AWOL, if it acts different than my body, and if it's sad that it's going to be all about my arm, it impacts the rest of my body. I can't hold a hamburger in my hand, and that is t- terrible. 
I can't do those things because my arm decides it wants to live for itself. That isn't the way God meant us to be. I'm called for God's purpose. And if you think that God is selfish, that God is just out to, to be selfish, to has an ego trip, you go to the cross of Jesus Christ, and you camp there, and you meditate on what Jesus Christ has done, how he suffered for us, and you will come away believing that God is one of the most unselfish beings in the whole universe. You have a calling that is unique to your life. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk on them. This verse is powerful. It's, it's, it's so important for us to grab what is in this verse. First, it says we are God's workmanship. The word there in the Greek, it has the idea of the word, what we associate with the word poem. And so believe it or not, you're not a riddle, you're a poem. You're, you're God's workmanship. You're, you're God's craftsmanship. Where is workmanship? Some of the Bible translations talked about this workmanship and they translate it into you're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You may say, I don't think I'm much of a masterpiece. You may have little and think little of yourself, but listen, God values who you are and so much. When, when, when you think about this and how Jesus Christ died on the cross, he stretched out his arms and, and his nail-pierced hands, and he's saying, this is how valuable you are, that you're valuable enough to die for. You're not garbage, you're not throwaway, you're not junk, you're not unusable, you are. God considers you of great value. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and he, he doesn't dwell in something that is not of value. You are of value. You're a masterpiece, as Paul writes in Ephesians to uh, to the, uh, the church there. You are a masterpiece, you're God's masterpiece that only shows up when you fulfill your calling. If you try to do something, somewhat somebody else wants you to be, or you're going to, you're going to miss this, your true beauty and your greatness won't come out. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has a plan for you, and that plan is powerful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Those good works are your contribution to the world. You're not put on this planet just to breathe and take up space and die. You're put here to simply, not to be just a consumer, but you are to be a contributor. You're to make contrib contribution to your life, not only to your life, but to those around you, to this world. God wants to use you. It's part of our calling. And the cool thing is, we all have different good works. Your contribution and your good works are different than mine. My contribution, good works are going to be different than the person, you know, that, uh, that you see sitting next to you or someone else in the room. And God makes us all different. It's all part of his plan. It's all different callings. And, and so that his mission will be accomplished. It's all part of his plan. And so we're God's workmanship. And number three, God knew my calling before I was born. 
My calling is both personal and precious as well as yours is, and it's a gift from God, and I'm called for God's purpose and not mine. And my calling was before I was born. God chose it. Galatians 1.5 says, Paul says, says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. Another example of this verse, of this thought in Jeremiah 1.5, before I, before I shaped you, in the womb, I knew all about you. <laughs> Think about that. Before you ever took your first breath, before you ever took your first thought, before the first brain wave action in your brain, before your heartbeat, before all that happened, God knew you, chose you, shaped you. As it says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before I saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. God had called you, decided how he wants to use you. as a masterpiece. He created even before the womb. You were on, before you were born, you were on, the, on God's planning table. <laughs> he knew exactly how he would, would design you and use you. The Bible says you're uniquely shaped. When we were born, we were a custom-made baby. You were God's prescription to help redeem this world to himself. You're part of that. I'm part of that. You're not a chemical accident. You know, some accident by some, something happened. No, God, you are, God designed us according to his plans. Isaiah 44.2 says, I am your creator. You are in my care even before you were born. And so that's the fourth thing that tells, teaches us about our calling. And then there's, a, there's another thing. Excuse me, that was the third thing. This is the fourth thing, and this is one of the most important ones, one that maybe we wrestle with the most in this calling. Can God use me? My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. God's call for my life. It doesn't matter how messed up your life has been. Whether you messed it up or somebody messed it up for you, no matter how uh, screwy it got, how difficult it became, no matter how many dumb decisions you've made in the past, it hasn't changed God's call on your life at all. The call that God gave you before you were born. A call that God gave you when you were saved, reaffirmed when you were saved. It's a calling that God says it's there forever. It's a permanent calling. God doesn't change it. He's called you, you know, and he, he wasn't surprised when we did those dumb things. It wasn't like it didn't knock him off, the, off his throne thinking, oh, wow, what have I done? Look what they did. He knew all those things. As we think about Paul, who is writing here, and he's saying these words, and he's the poster child for this point, is that he hated Christians before he became a Christian. He was mean and vicious. He was a cruel person, did terrible things to people, destroying families, all because they were followers of Jesus Christ. He was a murderer until the grace of God came into his life. Most of us, if not all of us, can say that we have done some, some terrible things in our lives. Or we've messed up. We blew it. We've hurt people around us. People have hurt us. 
but it doesn't derail God's calling for your life. There's no mute button with God's purpose for your life. He has a purpose for us. Certainly, he doesn't want us to live in sin. He wants us to have the growth that comes out of that and that sanctifying process so that we can be used of God to follow that purpose. In fact, you know, when you think about this, that which we are ashamed of, that which that stirs up so much guilt, so much the negative thoughts, and something that the devil come, come, can bring and put it into our face and say, you can't do this. Look what you have done. Here's what God wants to do. God wants to use what you want to erase to accomplish his calling for your life. That's a powerful thing, my friend. When we get a hold of that, we want to race, and God says, no, let me turn that, uh, all that into good works. L let's use that. God will use that to make us a better person to follow, accomplish what God wants. Many of you remember Chuck Colson, one of the most powerful men in the world in his days. He was assistant to the President of the United States of America, then he got involved in a scandal called Watergate, and he went to prison. But in prison, he found Jesus Christ. He became a believer, and not just any believer. He became a believer that as he looked around, he saw the need for people in prisons to know the Lord, that he started a movement called the Prison Fellowship, which is now in about 150, 60 countries around the world. This is a man that is in jail, was guilty, for doing some, some things that uh, was against our government. And then, but yet in his life, he has blessed millions of people. And when God created Chuck Colson, he knew he would be going from the presence to, to a place of power and prestige and authority to a place of shame and guilt in prison. God knew all that. And yet he used that in his life to do something greater because of the prison, because of the things that he, greater uh, than he did with what he was doing with the presidents. I'm just saying that what you have in your experiences, we can even give in those, those rooms that are, that are shut, that, that are dark, that we don't want anybody else to know about. We can open those doors and say, God, come, you use everything, every room in my house. You use all my life, all my experiences. God, I give that to you. And you'll be amazed how God will take you and use you in a powerful way. You see, it's all part of his plan. I wasn't surprised at that. He's going to use that. He's going to use that to bring glory to himself and use that to bless and impact other lives. Number five, God's call is always connected with others. You can't complete God's calling alone. Romans 14 says, says, none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. We have to be connected. The calling is connected with community. <clears throat> now, I know this goes against social distance. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're this six feet away, we've got our masks, and we've got all this, and we don't want to go there, and we don't want to do this, and we can't meet here, and all that. But listen, 
of doing the purpose of God. There's no social distance. And I'm not saying to be stupid and, and to, to, you know, to uh, gather in groups and, and, and be uh, uh, careless about the health issues. This isn't about the health issues. It's about a spiritual. Is that God wants to use us. And, he, and the way he uses us is he brings people in our lives. We connect. We belong. Romans 14, again, says none of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to himself. We have to be connected. It's kind of like going back to the illustration of the body. Our legs are useless without the rest of our bodies. So with other parts of our bodies, our ears, our eyes, they all work in sync with the body. Alone, they are really useless, but connected with the other members of the body, they perform well. They receive what they need from each other to, to function, to operate. They're dependent on each other. We're, they're not de- independent, but dependent upon one another. Our calling is like this. We are created to perform together. This is why God says, you belong to a family. There are no orphans in God's family. He, he's, he not only births, give spiritual life, but then he places it into a local church family. And that is the, the idea is to grow, to nurture, to, to belong to that group, to, to make a commitment to that group, as well as the group and the family commit to that person, to raise it and see it growing in Christ. That's the beauty of, of that church family, being a part of that, being a member of that. And so it, it, we're not to do this alone. We receive uh, this uh, nourishment. Our purpose is connected with each other. Paul writes a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 about that in the body, likening it to uh, the church body and to a physical body. Ephesians 4, Paul again writes, We are all one body. We have the same spirit. We have all been called to that same glorious future hope. It is, it is only in connection and community that I fulfill my calling, and it works. We're better together, is that we can only do God's calling through community. I want to finish up with two more important truths that we need to know about the calling of God. Number one, I mean, number six, God gives the ability to follow His calling. Whatever God calls me to do, he's going to empower me to do. God empowers me what he calls me to do. I'm reading right now through uh, the Old Testament, and I'm coming in through, you know, just got finished with Leviticus, coming into Numbers, and, and uh, you know, watching that progress of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and so forth, and now they're in the wilderness, and, then, and God leads them to that place of wilderness. And it's a place that we wouldn't go. But, but imagine a million plus people going into the desert and, and wondering how their needs are going to be met. But the point is that, and the story is that, that God can be trusted and where he leads, he always provides. And he did, he miraculously, he, 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 they, they didn't die because of starvation. They didn't die because of lack of water. They didn't die because of those, they did A whole generation died because of their disobedience and trust and faith in God. But they didn't die because of lack of the daily needs, the provision that God said he would take care of them. The point is that 
You know, God's going to take care of how we follow his calling with whatever need that's there. Whatever you think that you're lacking, say, God, I can't do that. God's going to take care of you. You know, this is a step of faith. This is not something that it's all going to be worked out. All this calling, you know, what God, how, wants you, how he wants to use me is not going to have, you're not going to have everything in place and think, okay, it, I, I can see how this is going to all work out. You're not. Here's what you need to do. You need to trust in the character of God. You need to trust in the promise of God and the power of God. Okay, God, if you call me, if you led me, then I know you're going to provide for me. You're going to take care of me. Paul said, again, I'm certain that God who had begun a good work within you will continue his work until it's finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Number seven, rewards are for those who answer God's call. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14 says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says again to the church there in Philippians, there's a reward, there's a goal, there's a prize that I am striving for. Whenever we say yes to God, God, okay, you want to use me? How do you want to use me? There is a reward, there's a prize to be won. And I believe both in this life and the life hereafter. It's a great reward. You know, as you stop and think about it, my friend, just stop and think about it. Isn't it amazing that the God of the universe, our creator, would ask us to join him in his work? That's amazing. It's like Tiger Woods asking me to be his caddy to play a tournament. (laughs) Oh, some of you won't appreciate that illustration, but I can't think of a soccer player at all, so I have to use what I know. Or, or what if Mahomes <laughs> says, hey, would you be on my team? We're going to beat Tampa Bay. Would you be? Well, you say, well, you want me? I can't play football. I've never done this before. And you want me? You're a professional. You really want me? He says, yes. This is what God does. It's a great privilege. It's a great reward that God would say, I'm going to put myself in a position. God's will is going to be completed by volunteers, by those who give their heart and their lives. And, 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 the, and my glory is going to be, be, be uh, shown and given through people who say, yes, I will be your servant. I will follow your calling. I will, God, I will be part of your mission to reach this world for, for your glory and for uh, salvation. That's an amazing thing. What a privilege it is that God would call us and use us. There's no greater thing. Listen, I've done a lot of things in my life, some wonderful things, and just like you have, but the greatest reward and the greatest thing is when I give my life, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a young man, and then those times that I surrendered and followed his will, his calling for my life. And I want that for everyone in this room. I I want you to 
to, to know that you are in, 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 a, in a calling and you're following God's call for your life? You know, today is the sixth anniversary when Cindy and I became the pastor of this church six years ago. Now, I did not say that, but I do thank you for the applause. I did not say that because of that. I say this because I'm so glad that I am here. And I'm glad because I knew that this is what God wanted for Cindy and I's life at this season of our lives. I'm so thankful that as we got to move here and we went through a process, you know, I don't know if we can do, we never lived in California, you know, and all the things that we hear about California, you know, we, we wrestled with all that, honestly. But we came and we knew that this is where God wanted us to be. And I remember that, that day that six years ago when you called us to be your pastor. I remember we had this little prayer meeting right over here to my right. And we said, God, if this church is going to go forward, it's going to have to be you. You're going to have to show up. And he has. And he, you know, I, I, I love you uh, dearly. And uh, I'm so thankful that God brought, uh, both Cindy and I are thankful that God brought us to you and you're in our lives. It's such a rewarding thing to see how God has worked in our lives. And I, and I look back there, you know, from people like Tyson and Mallory and different ones that have, uh, Johnny and different ones that I've met and, and they've, they started to come to church and then they, they gave the heart to Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, that, that, that's so soul satisfying. When you are in a position and God uses you to impact a person's life for eternity. There's no greater thing that we could be involved in in our energy and our time. And, you know, we can, I'm not saying that you have to be a full-time pastor like, like myself, but there's no greater satisfaction. When you know how God wants to use you, you discover that. If you haven't discovered that, hang on. Keep praying about it. God will reveal that to you. And as, as you are used by God, how it makes a difference in people's life. Yesterday, I got to pray with a business person that's well known here in this community. And literally with tears in this guy's eyes, he's going through some very difficult times. And he said this, and I don't say this braggingly, and I'll, def I'll def defer to God because I know that it's God. He said, he said, Gary, so when you came into Somas, you're one of the best things that ever happened to Somas. Now, I understand it's not me. And I'm not trying to up, uh, elevate myself, but I, and then I, I immediately said, I said, you know, I said to the, to the individual, you know, it's not me, it's, it's God. It is God. It has nothing to do with me. The only part that I had to do with this was say, okay, God, if you want me in California, that's what you want. I don't see how you're going to do this. And this is a church that is just about ready to close this door. But God, if you want me there, I'm willing to go. 
And God has done so, such amazing work. And I know that there's much more to do. And we haven't always been perfect and, you know, uh, crossed every T and every I like we should, like God wants us. But we are working, a work in progress. And God is doing amazing things. My friend, our lives are a test in this life for the life hereafter. It's not for if we make it to heaven, how I perform in life. No, that's settled at the cross. You got to get that settled. But how God will reward us and use us in eternity depends on how we followed the calling that he gives us. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, it's amazing that it would seem that you made yourself vulnerable in depending upon us to carry out your mission, your purpose. The God of heaven would say, I have a role for you to play in redeeming this world, to correcting all the brokenness, to reaching people for the kingdom of God. Father, that's, that's just an amazing thing. But yeah, you reached down and you called us. And so, Father, we want to be willing hearts to surrender, to submit, to empty ourselves, to embrace your calling. We need your power to do that. And perhaps we need your encouragement because maybe somebody here is, is wrestling with this. And Father, maybe there's, there's just, they, they want to know how God wants to use them, but they just don't have that figured out. And God, you will give them that answer. I'm confident. So Father, Use us right now. Use us serious. Use this time as we focus on, on being that tool in God's hands to complete the work that he has in mind. And so we're thankful from grateful hearts for using us in the past and, and using us in the present and using us in the future. For we know that greater things, greater works, are in our future. And so, Father, we yield to however you want to use us. In Jesus' name, amen. We have the worship team come this time and close us out with a song. I'd like for you to stand with me. If we can be a help to you in any way.
please let us know. We'll come pray with you. Connection card, you can write there on there what, uh, what needs there is. And truly, God loves you, wants to use you, and uh, uh, we are here to encourage one another in our journey with God.